Hello, welcome to Songs in the Key of, a podcast about songs. These might be old songs, new songs or middle-aged songs. Anything that takes my fancy, really. Sometimes these shows will be themed around an idea, a person, a genre or some other concept. Other times they will simply reflect my latest obsessions, my new favourite bands, those songs I can't get out of my head. So let's get on with it. Freebie CDs. Before the likes of Spotify, YouTube and Soundcloud became the default go-to for everyone's not a penny to pay listening requirements, these, along with their predecessor media of cassette tapes and flexi discs, proved useful little gold mines introducing music fans to more and more bands and artists. It was, for example, how I came to know of Manu Cheo, Sufjan Stevens and even Nick Drake. One of my most loved freebie CDs, loved so much that I foolishly threw it away in a massive clear out of stuff a few years ago, was a disc carefully gummed to the front of January 2006's edition of Uncut magazine. It was called John Peel's Festive 15, and it was devoted to the annual feature that the legendary DJ hosted at the end of each year, where listeners voted for the best 50 songs they'd heard over the course of the last 12 months. It wasn't without its controversy, with Peel himself bemoaning the fact that the list featured rather too many white boys with guitars for his liking. For someone with the very definition of an eclectic music taste, it would have been a very disappointing state of affairs some years. Uncut's compilation came a little over a year after John Peel died while on holiday in Peru at the age of 65. It concentrates on the 80s, more or less, a decade which hasn't necessarily fared well in the collective memory of music fans, but manages to pull out some absolute gems that provide an alternative retelling of a period most people associate with big shoulder pads, the mystery over who shot a Texan in a 10-gallon hat, and the rise of Timmy Mallet. This episode selects 10 songs from the 15 found on the original CD, although I've helpfully put together a Spotify playlist featuring the whole collection for your edification and delight. One track missing is Half Man Half Biscuit's Trumpton Riots, which on one hand is a huge shame because it really is a wonderful tune. But I've got something planned for a few episodes time where Nigel Blackwell's band will get a deservedly higher profile. So for the time being, we'll all have to cope without the sardonic snarling wit of the lads who shook the world. In the meantime, let's start with a song from 1986. While we could forever and rather unproductively debate which band is the best band in the world ever, I can tell you now with absolute certainty that the band with the best name in the world ever has to be Camper Van Beethoven. One of the band's claims to fame is that they covered Fleetwood Mac's follow-up to Rumours, Tusk, in its entirety, a track from which will inevitably feature on a further instalment of songs in the key of cover versions when I get the chance. But another of their claims to fame is their song Take the Skinheads Bowling, which reached number 47 in John Peel's Festive 15 for 1986, and then, many years later, 
found a revival in popularity when heavily used in Michael Moore's documentary about a particularly infamous high school shooting, Bowling for Columbine. It is ultimately a nonsense song, featuring lines like, Had a dream I wanted to sleep next to plastic. Had a dream I wanted to lick your knees. But what a nonsense song. It's got a driving, relentless rhythm, chanted choruses, and a melody that demands you shuffle along with its college rock wondrousness. Absolutely brilliant. Every day I get up and pray to John And he increases the number of clocks by exactly one Everybody's coming home for lunch these days Back in January 1979, a punk by the name of Kenneth Spears formed a band whose sound would capitalise on the new wave zeitgeist. Being a rather unpunky name, Kenneth Spears eschewed the modnica on his birth certificate in favour of his nickname, Spiz, which then formed part of the band's name, Spiz Energy, albeit briefly, just as the OCs like to change their name with frenetic abandon these days, so too did Spiz and Co change their name with an astonishing regularity. Every year, in fact. Other names used by the band include Atletico Spiz 80, Spiz Oil, and of course, the Spizzles. Despite their longevity, they're still with us in some shape or form today, Spiz Energy are ultimately one-hit wonders. But if you're going to have one hit as wonderful as Where's Captain Kirk, you really can't complain too much. The band's website proclaims with great pride that the song was the first to top the then newly created UK indie chart early in 1980, that it was included in the NME Writers 100 Best Indie Singles Ever in 1992, and more than two decades after its release, it was included in Mojo Magazine's lift of the 50 best punk rock singles of all time. Added to that, Spiz Energy attracted the attention of someone else not averse to changing his name. The DJ formerly known as John Ravenscroft invited them to play a Peel session on the 27th of November 1979, where the Trekkie theme tune made an appearance and was subsequently placed in the number 40 slot of John Peel's Festive 50 for 1980. It's a spectacular, buzzingly hyperactive tune which has guzzled down all the blue smarties it could find. There could be little wonder why the enemy writers Mojo, the indie record buying public of 1980, and of course Mr. Peel himself, all felt that Where's Captain Kirk was a very good thing indeed. <laughs> I won't leave you for the Dutch Enterprise, but I found 
Five years after Spears Energy topped the inaugural indie chart, the Wooden Tops scored a number one with their Well, Well, Well. Prior to this, they performed the song on a Peel session on the 8th of September in 1984, and the song scraped its way into the festive 50 for 1985 at the number 48 slot. It's a remarkable piece of music where the rhythm is absolutely everything. Clocking in at just 2 minutes 19, it may well start with some slow piano chords and some furiously scrubbed skiffly guitar, but from 15 seconds in, it's the drums that are the star of the show. On first listen, it sounds like it's a hugely complicated rhythm, something to match a prog rock masterpiece with a 13-8 time signature or something. It's actually in 4-4 and is fairly simple, but the effect is mesmerising. The absolute antithesis to 80s pop culture as you thought you always knew it. from a band on the Sarah label, the Field Mice had a suitably jangly sound. And, as you might expect from a band with a song called Sensitive, they sounded quite, well, sensitive. Very sensitive, in fact. Just listen to some of the lyrics from the song that made it to number 26 in the Festive 50 for 1989. My feelings are hurt so easily. That is the price that I pay to appreciate the beauty they're killing. By showing you all sensitive, you do this being crucified, crucified by those who are John Peel was famous for his love of music from Africa, and the Bundu boys were particular favourites, appearing on two Peel sessions in 1986 with Foolish Harp, 
Wyerera, appearing on 1987's Festive 50 in the number 30 slot. The song is delicious in its lightness of touch, with reverby washed out vocals echoing around over plucked strings that create an elegant dreamlike effect. It is, in a word, mesmerising. As it moves into its second phase, the pace picks up to have something of a carnival feel in the rhythm, but the dreaminess is preserved by the elongated chords from the keyboards and the gorgeous chanting of the vocals. The story of the Bundu boys is far from a happy one. It is tragically sad. Formed in the transition between Rhodesia becoming Zimbabwe, they took great pride in the traditional sounds of their homeland that had once been stamped out through apartheid. But as time wore on, they were struck by a series of personal catastrophes with three band members dying of age-related illnesses and the original frontman, Biggie Tembo, eventually taking his own life after suffering prolonged mental health issues. Only one member of the band survives today, Rise Kagona, now living in Scotland. The tragic demise of the band, almost paralleling the wider decline in Zimbabwe's fortunes under the evolving tyranny of Mugabe, makes a terrible end to the Bundu Boys story, which started with such positivity in the midst of what had looked like an exciting start for all concerned. But none of this can detract from the magnetic wonder that is Foolish Harp Wererra. episode is a slight aberration in that it doesn't come from the 1980s. Pavement released Gold Sounds as the second single from their Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain album in June 1994, and it reached number 22 in the Festive 50 later that year. To be honest, I can't make out much of what the lyrics are about. They're a kind of stream of consciousness splurge about youth, music, and going on a voyage of self-discovery. It's got that typical pavementy lo-fi sound that defined them and much of the US alt-rock scene that orbited near them back in the early to mid-90s. Stephen Malkmus's vocals waver and crack with a strained vulnerability that makes Gold Sounds a very enticing listen indeed. It just makes you wonder why it didn't secure greater acclaim both within and without John Peel's Festive 50. 
Forgiven for thinking you're about to hear something off the Cocteau Twins' Heaven or Las Vegas, such as the ethereal sound that emerges. In fact, Primitive Painters emerged five years before that Cocteau Twins album, reaching number seven in the Festive 50 in 1985. The song has a wonderfully washed out sound with heavy distortions appearing on top of the jangly guitar sound. It's a fairly bleak old song. The sort of thing young men would have happily, or miserably, listened to on repeat after repeat after repeat, nodding sagely to the lyrics while thumbing through a pocket-sized edition of Jean-Paul Sartre's Nausea. I just wish my life could be as strange as a conspiracy. I hold out hope, but there's no way of being what I want to be. This is the sort of thing drafty old damp student accommodation was designed for. The mononym's lead singer, Lawrence, would later go on to appear in other musical projects after Felt disbanded. To start off with, there was Denim. More recently though, like the first band on this podcast, Camper Van Beethoven, he's fused a form of transportation with the name of a classical composer to create his nom de guerre. Obviously, it's Go-Kart Mozart. hasn't already sent you blubbering into your Jesus and Mary chain haircut, perhaps the House of Love's Destroy the Heart will do the trick. It's a more forthright, noisier song than Primitive Painters, but this song, reaching the dizzying heights of number one in 1988's Festive 50 and heard on appeal session on the 7th of June of that year, still revels, if that's the right word, in a heavy mood of nihilism. If you don't believe me, just listen to these lyrics. Baby said I had more to say than the usual boys who were really just pains. Baby said I had so much more but that she could not do any more for me. Destroy the heart she said. 
two songs subsides ever so slightly now thanks to the wedding presents everyone thinks he looks daft lifted from Gedge and Co's 1987 album George Best which found its way to number three in the festive 50 of that year it's a snarling piece of satire on the messy aftermath of a failed relationship with a jilted boyfriend making obviously pathetic jibes at the former object of his affections new object of her affection Hence the title. Everyone thinks that he looks daft, but you can have your dream. But the most telling line comes in the first verse. How does it feel to know you've just won again? In a single sentence, David Gedge has summarised a whole world of very male pain. Oh, why do you catch my eye then turn away? We said all the things we had to say Sean said he saw you holding hands with your new friend How does it feel to know you just won again? Don't give me that Cause it was seen one thing still looks fast, but you can have your dream. A podcast episode about John Peel would not be complete without reference to The Fall, and so it seems only fair to feature Marky e. Smith's band here and to ensure it appears in the last but by no means least section of the show. Eat Yourself Fitter comes from the Fall's 1983 album Perverted by Language and came in at number 8 in the Festive 50 chart for that year. It also appeared as part of a Peel session on the 23rd of March 1983. It's a typically garbled sprawl of gnarly lyrics over a wonderfully lo-fi twanging bass all loosely themed about the monotony of a day's work. Eat Yourself Fitter was actually a slogan used by Kellogg's to advertise all brand back in the early 80s. Although when interviewed by a fanzine called Obsession in that year, Smith claimed he wasn't aware of it. I didn't write it like that, no. I'd never seen that until I'd written the song. I must have seen the television advert or summit to get the name. I thought it was a unique name. Strange that, isn't it? Somebody showed me. I hope they sue us. I love it. Out in the furniture trade, got a new job today. Inspect the crater, the number three lathe. Well dressed, 
see the manager. He was the manager. Eat yourself better. Up the stairs, mister. Eat yourself better. So there you have it, 10 songs in the key of John Peel's Festive 50, as channeled through the medium of a free CD on the front cover of a magazine. I hope you enjoyed them. Let me know what discoveries you made thanks to John Peel on Twitter using the handle at Reviewage. And don't forget you can listen to all the songs from this podcast, plus a bonus of five extra Festive 50 favourites on the Spotify playlist to accompany this episode visit www.reviewage.net or check the show notes for further details. I'll be back shortly with songs in the key of something or other else shortly. In the meantime, have a marvellous few days and nights till we meet again. Charmed to meet you. Eat yourself better. Up the stairs, mister. Eat yourself better. Big one on the screen So the Holy Ghost, I swear, on the screen Where's the cursor? Where's the eraser? Where's the cursor? Where's the eraser? talk with our strange weekend really in a lot of ways because we had some uh, chums from germany uh, i mean not people we knew terrifically well but a chap that i sort of met on numerous occasions in different parts of the world really not because that sounds a bit grand i mean in holland in germany when i've been at uh, various festivals and other events and uh, he came up with his uh, fiance but they stayed uh, for a couple of days and at one stage we had to go off and visit some other chums out of a wild social world and leave them in the house and while we were away they got through seven pints of milk. Now, what I want to know is, what do two people, however much they're in love, do with seven pints of milk in the course of, like, the daylight hours? <laughs> you know, I mean, it really is a bit of a mystery, isn't it? And what I want to know is, do you young, you young people use milk for something that we never thought of using it for? Because uh, there's got to be a reason, hasn't there? I mean, seven pints of milk, that's a lot of milk.